a lot more things are possible than we allow ourselves to believe. And stories, I think, writing stories is one way of sort of, of showing ourselves that. This is The Labyrinth and the Thread, conversations about creativity and mental health for, by, and with people who love to create things and have experience navigating mental health. I'm Amelia Aldred, and I'm glad you're listening. Today, I'm being joined by Lily Franks. Lily is a trans author and teacher who lives in Chicago, Illinois with the best cats. She loves anything that is not the way it should be. Lily, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, to start off, could you talk a little bit about what you enjoy creating? Absolutely. Um, I'm fascinated with words, uh, primarily. Everything that I do has to do with words. Right now, I'm particularly focusing on short stories, especially fantasy and horror. And I'm trying to do more poetry. The other thing I'm interested in, besides words, sort of unites a lot of my work together, is stories. I think that stories are really important to the way that we navigate the world, and they're also a big part of navigating issues with mental health. I agree very much so. I have found those stories to be very, very important for how I understand the world and how I process the world. I think it's really interesting that you mentioned writing and then mentioned stories as two different kind of creative threads that have um, kind of winding through your life because so many people think of stories only as writing. Do you find yourself integrating stories in creative projects in different ways? That's, that's not what people think of traditional short story or novel or poetry writing? Well, I think poetry is already sort of a very different type of story. And I, I do think of my poems as stories in a way. One way you can think of a story is a story is anything that tells you what part of something is important. When you see someone suffering, for instance, a classic example is you see someone suffering and a story tells you that that's something they need to do in order to grow, for instance, or that it's something that they'll eventually get over. And so it's context in that story tells you the way to approach it and it sort of promises you something in the future for it. And I think a lot of poems are sort of also about looking at a single moment or a single feeling and determining what's important in it, how we should approach it and what we should see there and what we might not initially be seeing. That's such a good point that when I read stories, I often think of it, at, or also when I'm writing stories, I also think of it as there are so many different things. It's like life is a noisy room, and this is honing in on one conversation that I particularly need to listen to, or that I want other people to listen to. Do you find when you're writing stories or writing poems that you're being drawn to particular things that you like highlighting? Yeah. Um, I'm always drawn to horror, uh, especially when I'm reading um, I find horror just absolutely fascinating as a genre. As you read from my intro, um, I think what what I find fascinating about horror is that it is one of two genres that's really all about exploring like things not being the way they're supposed to, and what it's what it's like when things aren't the way they're supposed to. The other genre that I think is really just sort of 
all about that is comedy, I think, is also similarly about things not being the way they ought to. I hadn't thought of the two like that. And you're right that with both horror and comedy, the, I don't know, I think of one of these things is not like the other or the uncanny or just the things that mess with the narrative that we expect. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. In both horror and comedy, if you see someone set up something, you can be almost sure that it's going to go wrong. That's very true. Just in very different ways with very different consequences. You know, as you're talking about that, it occurred to me that something with both of those genres and that something that I really enjoy in stories is when a story challenges a narrative that I have in my head that sometimes I didn't even realize I had in my head, you know, that until the horror or the comedy or another story kind of breaks that, I didn't know it was there to be broken. And that tells me something about myself. It tells me something about the world. Uh, it tells me something about my relationships to other people. That's a really cool thought. I'd never thought about it that way. Thanks thanks for telling me. That's, that's really cool. I mean, that's sort of, I don't know, if I were allowed to have like a manifesto. I think you're definitely allowed to have a manifesto. <laughs> as a writer. Like that's, I mean, that's sort of, what I most want to do is to find stories that sort of that challenge people and that make you look at make you look at possibility because I think a lot of the times this is a theme in, in stories and also in mental health that a lot more things are possible than we allow ourselves to believe and stories I think writing stories is one way of sort of of showing ourselves that One of the things that I've found the most helpful for getting through painful or confusing experiences is thinking of my life as a story. Because, as Lily pointed out, a story is a way of drawing our attention to particular pieces of information and seeing that information through specific lenses. If you change which pieces of information you're looking at, or adjust the lens, the story transforms. Several years ago, I wrote a short story in which I rejected the manuscript of my life, which was being submitted by God to me, the editor of my life. It was a parody of an editor's rejection letter, and at the time, I thought I was just channeling my frustration at getting a bunch of rejection letters that month. But I think I was also wrestling with the question, if my life is a story, what does it mean to be the writer, editor, and reader? Is there any time or story in which you found both in mental health or in writing stories or in both that you experienced a possibility opening up that you hadn't expected as, as you described? Yeah. Um, a lot of them. I think that a lot of my experience of issues with mental health is about sort of the feeling that I ought to be able to do something in a certain way, or I ought to be able to do something in a certain amount of time. And then sort of the, the shame when I'm, I'm not able to do it. Mm. And then of course, you know, the problems, like if I feel like I should be able to remember to do a piece of paperwork and then I forget, then 
then like that that creates problems in life as well as sort of the feeling of shame from thinking that I should have been able to do something but I wasn't Mm -hmm. um and one thing that you know stories and working with stories have helped me approach is that like what really matters at the end of the day is like whether or not I get in that piece of paperwork at the time that it's due and the way that I had to get there, the things that I had to do, well, those can be anything that gets me to that goal. And so sort of exploring different stories sort of opens up options for new ways you might be able to approach something, seeing the ways that you can challenge your own story. Yeah. Um, another example, um, this may surprise no one, I'm going to bring this up, but I'd be willing to say that like, you know, my experience with gender has been very story focused and it during the time when I like thought of myself as a man when I was trying to persuade myself that I was like a man then while while I was viewing my life through that story the story of someone who is a man then any feelings I had of like discomfort with masculinity discomfort with manhood were failings of my own, failings to sort of perform the story that I was seeing myself as an actor in. And coming out as trans was in large part of saying that like, no, like what's real is me. What's real is my feelings. The story is something that I'm putting on top of that. And if that story is making me uncomfortable, I can change that story. I can instead choose to see myself as a woman pressured into into performing as a man. And then suddenly all of the things that were sort of successes in one story become struggles and failures in the other and vice versa. All of the things that were these unavoidable sufferings suddenly become hopes, like promises that there might be a better way to live. And in fact, you know, there was. I'm, I do this story, story of, my gender that I now tell myself fits myself and the emotions that I have much better than that previous one did. That makes so much sense. That's really beautiful. And I imagine that there are so many different ways that probably played out in your creative life as well as, you know, you had that, that insight, but I, I could be wrong there. Did you, oh. did you find it was something that, that influenced kind of how you creatively told stories as well? Yeah. Before I came out as trans, I, I told very different stories. And I think I see in a lot of the stories I was telling something of someone who felt sort of lost in stories. Like there's one story that I began to write as I was, as I was just beginning to f- like notice some feelings about gender that follows a group of people who are a group of actors who are putting on a play. But the play is them putting on another play. And that play puts on a third play, which is the first play again. And they realize that they're in this loop where they have no, no identity is more real than any other identity. So it's that, fe- that feeling of being lost in stories and not having anything ground yourself in and say like, no, this part's real. And during that period, I, I, did a lot, I did a lot of stories like that. And I did a lot of stories that were more comedic because I sort of had, didn't have that like, grounding in something serious something that really did matter that i think is very important for horror where you're 
where you're trying to write about things not being the way they should in a way that's hurtful, in a way that's dangerous. And then as as I came out, a lot of my stories became much more grounded. And instead of people who had like no identity and were just lost in these stories, there were about people who like who had some had some identity but but their identity what wasn't accommodated in some way or were in conflict for some other reason there there started to be more of that emotional grounding more of that feeling and a sense that like we have this infinite freedom of stories but there's still something real out there there's still can tell any story but we're always telling it about the same things about things that actually happen In addition to using stories as a lens, we also use stories as a shortcut. That can be a really helpful tool, but it doesn't come without its problems. Lily and I talked about how this aspect of storytelling can both lead the way and get in the way. One keyword that I, I, I think of a lot of in terms of how like humans think is heuristics. Hmm. Um, if you've, if you've encountered that before. I have, but talk it out for some of our listeners that haven't encountered this word before. Sure. One of the like big observations about the ways that humans think and approach problems is, and I, I love this name is, is cog, the cognitive miser that mm. the brain, we as humans, we want to put in as little effort as we can into thinking through something as little as we can get away with most of the time. And so we end up coming up with shortcuts, like things that usually work, but aren't thinking through the whole problem. So instead of, you know, like thinking through like, okay, like the full like utilitarian calculus of like, you know, how will my doing this affect this person and that person? And dit, 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 dit. we think of like little heuristics, like like going along with what a person, with what another person wants is usually the nice thing to do. And the nice thing to do is usually a good thing, unless like the person is obviously doing something bad. And so and we develop all of these shortcuts that, that usually work and allow us to not think through all the complexities of every situation every time. And, and those are called heuristics. And stories are one of those heuristics. So for instance, the story of like, putting hard work in to make success. Like often, you know, we're not necessarily thinking through the whole process. We're just saying like, I should be working now because hard work and success are connected with a story. And so stories become a heuristic, a way of guessing how the world is probably going to work. But it's a guess at the end of the day. And like it would in fact be impractical to think through every detail of everything all the time. So it makes sense to have some heuristics, but also, of course, they can lead us astray. And it's important to be able to confront our heuristics when when there are problems and, and to complicate them or come up with new ones. Something that's come up when I've talked to people about mental health and creativity is heuristics quite a bit. What they think will make them more creative or what they think will make them more mentally healthy or what they think ultimately will make them suffer less. It seems like for a lot of folks, when they can find a story that works better for them, that's when they're able to do creative work that they're ultimately 
happier with, not necessarily doing more creative work or a particular type of creative work, but they're happier. They're, um, they enjoy their creative life more. I've definitely noticed that in myself, that it's, you start, you know, you start to have problems with some, some idea that you have, some story, some heuristic. You start to like notice that there are issues and, but you can't, even when you can tell that something's not working, I think it's, it's usually not until you can come up with a better story or a better heuristic that you can actually abandon that one that's not working. That's such a good point. And a lot of the times, yeah, a lot of the times I find myself being frustrated with, you know, stories that I know have problems with them, but I don't have a better one for how to deal with a certain thing yet. And so I sort of can't abandon that one, even though I see the issues with it. Yeah. To use kind of a a cliched image, I feel like we end up building the ladder as we're climbing it. And that means that like at every step, your tools have to be complete, like, because you're (laughs) using them. Like you can't ever have half finished tools. So you sort of have to fill in the rest of your tools with whatever's there. That's so true. And you know, it's it's interesting. Something that I've found helpful in both my you know creative life and when I when I think through what's helped me in my own mental health is the idea of experimenting with tools. Like, for example, in a story, maybe I want to try out doing something that I haven't done in a story before, and I might try it first in flash fiction or even just you know writing, you know, doing some writing exercises, you know, like, let's Mm -hmm. just try this out. Maybe I'm going to try doing an epistolary story, you know, and I haven't done that before. I'm going to do, let's just try that out a little bit as I'm, as I'm practicing writing. Uh, And as I figure out, you know, does this, do I like doing this? Does it work for me? Does it work for the story I want to tell? And all those things. And similarly, I guess before I like committed to say writing a novel that way. uh, And that makes it more doable and less overwhelming. And it feels similar in my life that sometimes I end up trying out tools just in like smaller, more low stakes situations. It's like, okay, before I completely overhaul and I let go of this tool that I know isn't serving me anymore, but you know, is really comfortable and I know how to use it. I'm going to just try out this new thing. Okay. I'm putting down the hammer. I'm picking up the screwdriver, but I'm just going to like fix this, you know, minor piece of furniture. I'm not demolishing my house yet, you know? (laughs) Well, um, we're coming to a close for our conversation, which has been a wonderful conversation. I've really loved talking about stories with you and you've um, expressed some things that I'm going to be thinking about for a while. Uh, I was going to ask if there is any particular projects or works that that you're particularly inspired by right now that you'd like to share with listeners. These can be your own or or from other people. I guess I'm obviously going to take a take a chance to plug my stories. Most of them are online. I have a website that has links to all of my stories that have ever been published. Lily E Franks, L I L L I E, and then an E for the middle initial dot wordpress.com. Yeah. And, you know, including, um, like one of the stories on there is very related to this. It's a collection of Aesop's fables 
They, these are Aesop's fables that I read and I hated them. And they felt like the worst stories in the world when I was a child. Like I had this just very visceral reaction to them. And uh, this is me sort of exploring that by writing variations on these stories where sort of exploring other possibilities that weren't seen in the originals of those stories. I like that. I will check that out. Some artists that I really like, I absolutely love uh, the poetry of Ada Limon. Um, I'm also a huge fan of, uh, for, for trans poetry, I really love J. Jennifer Espinosa and short story. I really like Kelly Link. I love um, Algernon Blackwood for horror. Just a few random names. Well, thank you again so much for having this conversation with me and sharing your thoughts on stories and how we tell stories and uh, the way that, that stories play out in our lives. It's been a really wonderful conversation and I really deeply appreciate you taking the time to do it. Yeah, and thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support us, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash labthreadpodcast. If you're not in a position to financially support us, you can help out by spreading the word and following us on social media. Stories, concerns, and manifestos can all be emailed to labthreadpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Remember to take care of yourselves and each other. And until next time, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Labyrinth and the Thread. Thank you.